Long Island's future is our business. The Long Island Association is the region's leading nonprofit and nonpartisan business organization since 1926 and amplifies the voice of the business community. I'm Matt Cohen, the president and CEO, and your host. Let's talk about issues that impact our economy. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Long Island's Future with Matt Cohen. I uh, hope everyone's gotten off to a great start in 2023. We're going to start our series this year with a discussion with an economist with the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, who's a dear friend to the LIA. Uh, his name's Jason Bram. Jason's going to tell us a little bit about what's happening with our economy this year. Uh, we've had Jason appear uh, uh, and speak to our membership several times in the past. Uh, it's always very informative, very helpful. Uh, you know, his research and analysis focuses on the U.S. economy with a primary emphasis on the New York Federal Reserve Bank's uh, second district, which includes New York State, northern New Jersey, southwestern Connecticut, and Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands. Uh, and for those who may not be aware, the New York Federal Reserve Bank is one of 12 regional reserve banks that, along with the Board of Governors in Washington, D.C., make up the nation's central bank. Uh, and like I said, we actually hosted Jason just as recently as uh, the other day at our LIA Financial Services and Tax Policy Committee. Uh, welcome, Jason. Thanks for joining me on my podcast. Hi, pleasure to be here. So we'll get right into it. You know, a lot of what we're hearing about the LIA uh, in terms of pressure on businesses relates to the impact of inflation. Can you talk about what you've learned from your most recent surveys on this issue? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, we, 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 every month we ask businesses about their own prices, uh, about their selling prices, as well as the prices they pay. And we ask if they've been going up or they've been going down. And, you know, back in 2022, this uh, this index, we call it a diffusion index. It's just sort of the net number of uh, percent of people saying prices are increasing, got just very, very high. Um, the input prices almost got to the point where almost everyone was saying prices were going up and no one was saying prices were going down. And that has abated quite a bit, uh, both among manufacturers and service firms, uh, I'd say over the last you know five or six months. And then in December, we asked a, a more quantitative set of questions. So we asked um, about what they expect in the next 12 months, being it was at the end of the year, uh, what they expect for the next 12 months in terms of their own selling prices, their costs, that is their input prices, the prices they pay, and then the overall inflation rate. And you know, looking ahead, uh, both manufacturers and service firms expected their own costs and prices to go up by about 5%, which is, you know, it's higher than, you know, what our sort of target inflation rate is, but it's a lot less than what it was last year. And then we asked them about the overall inflation rate and that they expected to be a bit higher in the range of say five and a half uh, to 6%. So, you know, basically they are expecting uh, price rises this year, but, you know, nothing, um, nearly as steep as uh, what they saw last year. All right. Well, that sounds like it's uh, you know more positive than negative, right? Yeah. Okay, good. You know, what, what else, what else are businesses expecting over the next 12 months? I mean, businesses are worried. Like we have, uh, we also asked them about uh, activity and employment. Um, you know, they, they remain kind of optimistic on balance. That is more people expect things to get better than worse. Uh, over what well, we asked the next six months on that, but it, you know they're less optimistic than than they 
are during normal times. So there's a lot of uh, concern out there, uh, not just about you know the price situation, but about the economy generally. There, there, you know, right now businesses are not particularly confident, um, either you know in their assessment of how things are now. Uh, or in a, their assessment of, of what they expect for the months ahead. Right. It's interesting. Uh, you know, it's amazing how far we've come back already from the pandemic. You know, I mean, we were, uh, you know, stores were getting and companies were getting battered and, uh, you know, they proved to be resilient. But, you know, clearly there's still still headwinds out there. Right, Jason? Oh, yeah, there are headwinds out there. I mean, you know, it, even the, the supply disruptions, the labor shortages, not quite as severe as, as, you know, this is what businesses are saying, not quite as severe as they were a few months ago, but they're still a little bit problematic. And, you know, some businesses are still saying, um, you know, they'd like to hire more people, which is, you know, one of the interesting things uh, that we've seen in our survey is that when you ask businesses about the business conditions or business activity, and then you ask them about employment, you know, is your employment at your company going up or down? They tend to track pretty well together, right? So when, when you know, employment, either expectations or their assessment of current conditions are quite positive is usually the same time when uh, their view of the, the business and the economy are quite positive. Uh, what we've seen in the last five months is a bit of a divergence in that in both the manufacturing and service sector surveys, so that you know, business. When you ask them about activity, about business conditions, they're kind of negative lately. They they've said things have like deteriorated a bit. But when you ask them about uh, employment, is is employment at your firm going up or down? They're still somewhat positive, slightly, and their expectations are also uh, somewhat positive. So uh, they're even uh, you know, if you ask them what they're expecting to do uh, in the months ahead. Um, they're still expecting to add workers on that. Jason, how's our region doing in terms of employment uh, compared to before the pandemic? And you know, how do we compare to other regions? Well, I can tell you how we compare it to the country as a whole. So uh, obviously nationwide and in Long Island and in New York City, you, we got this really steep drop off of, uh, at least in this region, of over 20% in employment. Uh, and then, you know, as of mid, starting in mid 2020, it started to snap back. Uh, it still hasn't quite gotten all the way back to where it was right before the pandemic. So as of December, it was still down around four or five percent, maybe four percent in Long Island, around five percent uh, in New York City. Whereas nationally, it's actually uh, gotten past. In other words, nationally, the number of jobs you know, more jobs have been recovered now than were lost during the pandemic, so that employment is now above uh, where it was prior to the pandemic. And just if you look at the different industries, um, a lot of the weakness, uh, relative weakness in, in Long Island, for example, is in things like certain services, like face-to-face -face services, uh, trade, transportation, utilities, um, even a little bit in finance, a little bit in construction. I mean, it's been pretty broad-based. Um, you know, one one of the areas where Long Island's actually done really well, relatively, is in leisure and hospitality, and that's a sector that was hit hardest everywhere. So, 
you know, when the pandemic first struck, it was hotels, it was restaurants, it was bars, it was museums that all but, you know, shut down that, you know, their business dried up. Um, and of course, that's come uh, storming back. But even nationally, uh, leisure and hospitality employment hasn't quite gotten back to its pre-pandemic level. It's still down about five or six percent. But in Long Island, it's actually up a couple percent. So, you know, this is actually a, a little bit of a bright spot. New York City, not the case, though. But that's because New York City, a lot of it is, you know, centered on, you know, office workers and tourists. And, you know, that's still on its way back. Yeah. And, you know, tourism here on Long Island is a six billion dollar plus industry. Uh, so it's certainly a big industry here. And, you know, unemployment is so low here on Long Island and, you know, I hear all the time from businesses about uh, hiring challenges that they're having. Uh, are you hearing that too? And, you know, is that related to the pandemic, you think, and different expectations of the workforce now? Or is it a generational thing? You know, what, what, what are your thoughts? Well, pretty much I would say all of the above. So I think it's sort of a, a confluence of a lot of different trends. Um, if you remit, it seems like ages, it seems like a generation ago. But even right before the pandemic, uh, we do these, we do kind of these outreach meetings and trips where we, we literally go out and talk to business people and uh, community groups uh, around the region, including in places like Long Island. And, you know, even before the pandemic, we were, that was one of the things we were hearing a lot. It's hard to find workers and it's especially hard to find qualified workers or workers with like the, the skill sets that they need. Um, and this was a perennial problem. Now, you might have thought that, you know, with a pandemic, with employment, you know, not even back to where it was before the pandemic, that, you know, maybe that would be different. But, you know, that was obviously in part a function of things like uh, just the demographics, you know, baby boomers retiring, uh, the slowing in, in immigration, which can also add to the workforce. Um, there's also a little bit, you know, you can have some mismatch, you can have educational, you can have skills gaps due to that. Um, but now with a pandemic, you have an additional thing, uh, a number of issues. So one of the issues you have is COVID. I mean, COVID is, you know, we're, I kind of feel like we're past the pandemic now, but, you know, COVID hasn't gone away. And even though the current strains are not nearly as, uh, as deadly and virulent as, you know, what we saw in year 2020, um, you know, COVID can lay you out and keep you out of work for at least a couple of weeks. And then you have things like long COVID uh, that can, uh, you know, have lasting effects possibly on either labor force participation or even on just the number of hours people work in a week, uh, the degree to which, um, you know, they can't come in because they're sick. And then on top of that, Another issue, which is, these are all kind of tied together. Another issue that we hear a lot about that we were also hearing about before the pandemic is childcare. People, you know, yeah, I'd love to come work for you, but, you know, I, you, I, have, I have to take care of my kids. I can't, you know, it's not like we have, you know, a nanny or, or you know, someone uh, to do that. And, you know, so all these things kind of are coming together, I think, and uh, creating, uh, you know, a shortage, I guess, of labor in a sense. And uh, we're going to come back to childcare in a, in a bit, but, uh, you know, we're having a great conversation here with Jason Bram from the Federal Reserve Bank in New York. 
Uh, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsor. This podcast was produced by the EGC Group, Long Island's largest full-service marketing agency. Conveniently located in Melville, we offer strategic marketing and branding programs designed to grow your business from strategy to creative. Our results-driven services include digital marketing, traditional and online media buying, public relations, social media, content creation, and web development. Our clients include local businesses and national Fortune 100 companies. The EGC Content Studio, our in-house production facility, may be used to produce your social media videos, podcasts, and more. We're ready to be your trusted marketing partner. Visit egcgroup.com or call us to learn more and get a free digital audit. Just mention code LIFUTURE. The EGC Group, marketing and branding Long Island's best companies since 1985. And we're back. Jason, let's talk real estate. Home okay. Pro- okay. Home prices seem to be coming down. Uh, is that what you're seeing too? Well, a, a bit. I mean, we, we, we look at, uh, I'll give you an example. We, we've, we've been using what we call the Zillow, um, what's it called? Uh, index of typical home values, typical home prices. Uh, and it was it was going up a lot before the during the pandemic, I should say. Uh, what's interesting is that within this region, uh, the biggest price I have this graph, which I wish I could show you on the podcast, but we have a graph that shows uh, for a number of counties in and around New York City how much home prices appreciated. Uh, and literally, the farther you get out from Manhattan, the hot, the more they appreciated. So Suffolk had tremendous. Suffolk County had tremendous. A home price appreciation of over 35%. Uh, Nassau and Westchester over 20%. Then you get into you know Staten Island and and some of the other boroughs, uh, more modest increases. And at the bottom, although it's up to uh, Manhattan, home prices were up about six uh, percent or so. Now what's happened in the last few months is they've seemed to have kind of leveled off. Uh, there's some signs that they've gone down. Now, one of the issues with this uh, measure is that they kind of smooth it so that, you know, once prices start to drop, it typically takes a few months for it to sort of show up in the index uh, because they don't want every little twist and turn to look like, you know, suddenly, you know, the market's uh, shifted. But it does look like home prices have have at least uh, begun, uh, certainly have leveled off. And there's signs, and certainly anecdotally, there are a lot of signs that they've declined. And the same thing with uh, rents. Uh, it's a little bit more apparent with rents. Uh, rents tend to respond more quickly, uh, and, and rents have come down. One of, one of the things, though, in the purchase market that's kept, I think, prices from really falling significantly is that the inventory of homes on the market has been very, very low. So just, you know, in the, sort of the same way that I, I mentioned the supply of available workers is is lean the supply of homes on the market is still pretty lean even with the recent weakness and what happens is is a number of people uh just take their homes off the market you know they they were thinking of moving they decide not to move so then they take their homes off the market so anyway the bottom line is that yeah prices have uh, come down a little bit and rents have, have appeared to have started to come down um, but we'll have to see what happens in the months ahead. That's very interesting. Uh, now let's let's turn to offices for a second. You know, are you seeing a lot of vacancies? Do you think it's primarily related to having more remote workers 
what's going on there and will it, will it ever be the same again? Um, well, that's a good question. Let me, uh, I mean, yes, it is definitely due to remote workers. I mean, I can tell you what's going on in Manhattan where, you know, is by far the biggest office market in the region. And of course, you know, an awful lot of Long Islanders uh, who are office workers work in Manhattan or, or in New York City. So, you know, what happens in New York City both is affected by and affects uh, the whole region. Now in Manhattan, uh, for many, many years, we've had a lot of, you know, new office construction. Uh, you have Hudson Yards, um, you have where the World Trade Center, that whole area. Um, but at the same time, you've also had a lot of commercial to residential conversions. So like the older office buildings, uh, because of the demand shift from, you know, there's kind of less and less, and this even before the pandemic, a bit, you know, demand for residential space was increasing more rapidly than demand for commercial space. So over the years, you've seen an awful lot of uh, older office buildings being converted to apartment buildings, uh, either rentals or condos. Um, and that has probably continued. But now what's happened is, you know, the shift to remote work is not really a new phenomenon. It's, it's, a, it's a very gradual trend that's been happening. That is, you know, over the last 20 or 30 years, you've had, uh, you know, a few more people would take, you know, flex schedules. They come in four days instead of five. Uh, they work at home a day a week or two days a week. And what's happened with the pandemic is that you've sort of had a, a repeat of what, what happened over the last 20 years happen in the span of like one year. So you've had this sort of trend just dramatically accelerate. So, you know, yes. So the answer is that you demand for residential space, even though the housing market's been soft lately, uh, demand for residential space uh, because of the pandemic and because of uh, remote work um, is tends to be much stronger than demand for office space. Now, we did do a survey. Um, when was it? It was in uh, August. So it's a number of months ago. But we asked companies um, if, and, and this includes all companies, but the main focus is on, you know, office type companies, uh, companies where you can work remotely as opposed to say, you know, a restaurant, you know, waiters aren't going to work remotely. So uh what we asked was how many people are work how many how much of your workforce is working remotely at least somewhat and then of those workers like how many days a week do they typically come into the office versus working remotely and so what we do is we kind of combine those two and we come up with what we call an average share of hours worked remotely so you know if you have 100 people and they're working you know I guess 104,000 hours, like everyone works 40 hours a week. Um, you know, if 30 hours or 40 hours of that is work remotely, that's 1%. So before the pandemic, and again, this includes service firms, but it, it's not all office firms. It was about 8%. In office type uh, arrangements, it would probably be higher. Uh, in June 2021, because that's what we asked about, uh, it rose to 33%, then it went back down to 21%. And then we asked, what do you expect in 2023 when, you know, I'm not going to say things are back to normal, but like the pandemic is hopefully not 
you know, such a, a you know, big factor in these decisions. Uh, and it settled down at 18 percent. So that's, you know, so it's come down a lot, the percent of work done remotely, but it's still more than twice as high as it was during uh, before the pandemic. So that's kind of what I was getting at when I was like, well, you know, this trend toward virtual work sort of accelerated to warp speed um, and it sort of seems to be settling at this uh, newer high level. Now, keep in mind that just because fewer people are coming to the office or actually more accurately, people are coming to the office not as many days. You know, if you're coming in three days as opposed to five days, it doesn't mean you need 40% less space. So it's unclear uh, exactly how that will all, you know, pan out in the office market. But we asked another question. Again, I'm sorry to be rambling so long. No, that's okay. This is really interesting stuff, Jason. And it's, it's, it's all, you know. Yeah, this survey is really interesting. Um, so we said, compared to before the pandemic, have you reduced or expanded your business's footprint directly in response to changes in your remote work arrangement? So that's kind of what we're getting at. Um, and I, I won't talk about manufacturing because that's sort of a different beast. But among service firms, 16% um, they said they uh, reduced it, while 8% said they expanded it. Now, the ones that expanded it are probably largely you know, restaurants that added outdoor seating or places where you needed more distancing, um, whereas the ones that you know, reduced it were probably more office uh, using spaces. But the more interesting thing is we said, well, how about in the next one to two years, do you expect to reduce or expand? And more businesses said they would expand their footprint than reduce it. So we'll have to see how that pans out. But, you know, that at least doesn't seem like uh, catastrophic for the for the office market. Now, just one more thing I'll add is that the weakness that we've seen in the office market in terms of vacancy rates and rents and things, uh, keep in mind that a lot of office leases are kind of long-term leases. So when a company decides it needs less office space, you know, the lease doesn't magically suddenly come up for renewal. So what happens is gradually over time, if your lease comes up, say, in one year or two years or now, that's the point when you're probably going to be... Um, leasing less space. So the underlying weakness in demand that's being caused by uh, the pandemic and remote work more, more accurately uh, takes a while to run its course as these sort of leases start, you know, running off. Yeah, this is all fascinating stuff. It really is. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what the future holds. Uh, now, I have one more question for you, Jason. Uh, you sure. Know, the Long Island Association the three of our biggest priorities relate to housing and transportation uh, and also child care. You know, we've been talking about child care at the LA for a while now about how it's a business issue, an economic development issue. And so how do other aspects of our economic development like housing, like transportation, like child care factor into some of the economic indicators you discussed? Uh, yeah, I mean, those three are big ones. And, and, you know, I had already mentioned housing and childcare as being major concerns. Uh, and transportation is, is exactly another one. I guess the, the one, the one additional one I would add is, is, is health, healthcare, uh, especially, you know, you know, keeping people healthy and, you know, proactively keeping pe people healthy, um, is also a major factor in terms of economic development. So, you know, one what we've been hearing um, it's interesting. Before the pandemic, 
when we would go to Long Island, say, or different parts of New York City, or basically areas in and around New York City, housing affordability was always a big issue. Um, since the pandemic, though, um, I was upstate in, I think, Glens Falls a few, a couple months ago. Uh, we were in Puerto Rico because that's part of our district. And everywhere we go, housing affordability and sort of the uh, short supply of housing is seen as a, a major problem. It's a major challenge, both in terms of just, you know, quality of life and, you know, being able to, you know, have people being, you know, being able to afford or, or having a place to live so that they can work there and contribute to the local economy. And uh, anyway, so um, that, that's sort of the housing. And then the transportation and childcare, you know, all these things uh, work work their way into the economy um and they I, I guess what i would say is they are potentially inhibitors they they have the potential to hint to to keep um basically economic prosperity um limited below what it could otherwise be so you know i applaud you know the fact that you guys are focused on those three things um again maybe healthcare is 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 another one and the affordability of them uh, are these are just major, major challenges, I guess, to be overcome is how I would put it. Uh, you know, Jason, this is this is all uh, really interesting. And I uh, really enjoyed our conversation today. Uh, you're always so great. I, mean, I can listen to you for hours talking about this stuff. Um, so, uh, you know, I hope you come back um, and join us again on a future podcast episode. And, and again, come back and address our membership. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. I, I enjoy doing these and, and it's a great conversation and uh, look forward to talking to you some more. Great. Put another one in the books, ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned for our next podcast.